Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number 1 best-selling Andaria algae body oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Carrie Adloyd. How do we grieve for someone? How does it change and evolve as we get older? My dad died when I was 15 and it took me many, many years to be able to express what I had gone through. So I decided to create Griefcast, a chance to talk, share and laugh about the weirdness of grief and death. But with comedians, so it's not that depressing, I promise. Each time I talk to a different comedian about their own personal experience of grief as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club, this is a chance to talk about the peculiar human process of death. Welcome to Griefcast. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey Griefsters, so we have some more good news this week. We won some more awards. I know, it's becoming a habit. Sorry. We won Best Comedy in the Mixcloud Online Radio Awards in both the Judges and Listeners' Choice category. A massive thank you to Mixcloud and also a huge thank you to all of you who voted. It, It means so, so much. It's just really nice to have some lovely news amongst all the, you know, the honesty and the truth about death and dying and grief. So genuinely thank you. This week I'm talking to radio producer Ed Morrish. Ed has worked on probably most of your favourite radio shows from The News Quiz, The Now Show, Mark Steele is in Town, John Finnemore's Souvenir Programme and many, many more. Ed came in to talk to me about his mum, who died of ovarian cancer in 2006, and his dad, who died of a heart attack just two years later. Welcome to Griefcast. I'm here today with radio producer and podcaster... Ed Morris, hello. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I leapt there, didn't I? Like, yeah. because you also... I do make podcasts, but I don't, I'm not on them. This is the first one I've ever been on. Oh, really? Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> do you normally exit the room at this point and be like, okay... No, I normally exit the room like half an hour ago and let the small talk uh, uh, happen. Yeah. And then just sit in the other room panicking because I don't really know how 
desks work. <laughs> I can do the editing, but now I'm responsible for recording them as well. So. Well, how many podcasts are you babysitting at the moment? I think uh, I'm two at the moment, about to launch a third. But um, wow, uh, I do the Tony Law tapes with Luke Roberts I and Tony do. Law, which there's a second series waiting to be edited when I have some time, <laughs> and any stupid questions with Danielle with Ward, Danielle Ward, which is. Um, us just like instead of doing any research just getting an expert into a room and asking them stupid questions like how do gps make money that's a good question <laughs> how do gps make or should i just listen to the episode oh you can listen to the episode <laughs> but the answer is it's the difference between what the government gives them and what they spend on patients wow yeah okay financially incentivized not to spend money on you oh that's sad yeah <laughs> so i was just like working that out in my head being yeah. like say if you if your gp looks like they're doing well that's because you're not getting that although money. <laughs> if they kill you presumably they get less money from the government so yeah that's true you know keeping you and uh, presumably it's hard job so you probably want to do well don't you like do you know what I mean you probably like yeah you probably like doing your job well yeah <laughs> sorry gp i think we all do <laughs> rather um, than like it was i think it's one of the few jobs where you can uh, you, you know Killing someone wouldn't yeah. be a career-ending thing because it's like, well, they were well. <laughs> but also, I was going to say, it's a bit like being in comedy because, like, you've really got to want to do it. Like, you've really got to want to become a GP, I think. It's like a long, it's a long yeah, journey, isn't it? seven years or something. And, it? yeah, and then you've still got to, like, spend the day looking at people's ears and dodgy yeah. toenails and stuff. Like, it's not glamorous, is it? No. Yeah. But it's very well paid. Yeah, well... And there, and there the similarity to comedy ends. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. That's definitely, <laughs> definitely where it ends. So who are we remembering today? Today we are remembering my mum, who died in August 2006, and my dad, who died in September 2008. <sighs> like... And my mum's my, my, um, mum. My last grandparent died two weeks before my dad as well, but... Um, that feels slightly it's an afterthought. That's the trouble when you have a, a, a massive deaths. Hmm. Normally, your grandmother would be like, "Oh, that was very sad," but because it comes in all the midst, like there is that hierarchy of like, "Well, we're sort of dealing with this." Yeah. So, oh dear, grandma's died. And it's <laughs> the age thing. I know you've spoken yeah. about it before, but the age thing does it's it's harder to feel sad about a death in someone's nineties. Yeah, yeah. Than it is about someone's death in their sixties. God, yeah, is, yeah. So. Let's start with your mum. So your mum died first. Yeah. And so what was your mum's name? Christine. Christine. So how old were you when your mum died? I was 26. 26. Okay, so that's young. Yeah. Yeah, you're definitely not expecting. No. So how did she die? What happened? Um, she had uh, ovarian cancer, oh, which gosh. is obviously very difficult to diagnose in postmenopausal mm. women yeah, um, yeah. or to, to pick up early warnings of um and what actually happened, I was in Edinburgh. This was 2006. So I was in Edinburgh at the Fringe um, making things. I was making quite a lot. I was doing a comedy review show and 28 Edinburgh acts in 28 minutes we did. Wow. Um, and my parents, well, my mum used to go to the Edinburgh Fringe when she was a student or when she was young. And so ever since my brother and I were involved in a theatre group that went and did Edinburgh in 1997, the first year I went to the Fringe, wow. um, they used to, mum and dad used to take an annual holiday if we were doing yeah. anything up there. And so in 2006, uh, my parents came up and they came and saw 20 Edinburgh Act uh, get recorded and they were supposed to stay on for a few days, but mum wasn't feeling well. So they decided to go home early and they said, you know, do you want our hotel? So my then girlfriend, now wife, was... Uh, up with me at the same time and so we went and had a nice and a nice hotel much appreciated yeah Edinburgh festival. <laughs> <laughs> Just, well get out of the bbc flat yeah. on the everything's on the eighth floor um you just have to go upstairs forever and then we were was it a saturday sort of mid-morning we were having breakfast in the city cafe and i got a phone oh, yeah, call yeah. from my dad saying um come home um mum hasn't got long left Oh my god! And I had to drop absolutely everything, jump on a train. I mean, the trains to Andover, where my parents lived. Um, you have to go through Reading, and we just like just literally walked to Waverley. How do I get to Andover? And booked a ticket. Went back to the hotel. Um, the we were back in the flat by that point. Picked up all our stuff. Left. Um, and she died eight days later. Oh my god! That is so sudden. Yeah, but so- like I say, it was quite um, quite far along. But it's hard to pick up in... So they, no one knew she was ill? She just lost her um, appetite. One of the hardest things to watch or to hear was my dad saying that, oh, she's been ill for a few weeks now, she's not been... Up. And I've been trying to get to see a doctor. Yeah. If I'd got... I just keep thinking if I'd got her to you a month earlier, 
Mm. You go, that's not how cancer works. It isn't, it isn't. You but know, you feel so powerless. You look yeah, for these things, totally. don't you? Like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. So she just had, she hadn't, obviously just hadn't been feeling great, yeah, but just, nothing like, oh, something's obviously very wrong. Yeah. And then when they went back, they obviously went to the doctor and that's when they found out. Yeah, that's when they diagnosed it. Wow. So you, what was that train journey like? Because the train back to Edinburgh is always yeah. a bit melancholy anyway, <laughs> yeah. because you're normally recovering from a month of ego destroying or ego creating and mm. drinking. Yeah. So, but that train well, going yeah, back, it's, knowing it's very, it's one of the big emotional events. I find it very, say the drinking, it's very hard to get drunk at. I mean, oh. I remember drinking quite a lot at my wedding and not feeling in any way drunk. Yeah. And the same at, um, like my my especially my dad's wake, um, that <laughs> mum and dad joined the Sunday Times wine club. <laughs> but dad wasn't really a drinker. Mum was. Right. But he never cancelled it. So by the time he died two years later, <laughs> the garage was full of booze. <laughs> and so we got through quite a lot. The four of us, um, there's, um, I'm the youngest of four siblings, um, and we got through quite a lot. But at the same time, just didn't feel any way drunk. And I think the, so the train home was very sobering because we didn't have all the information at this yeah, point. We yeah. didn't know how ill she was and there was talk, well, maybe she could come home. We, You know, sort of mm. it, it, it varies. It's a very unpleasant and unpredictable disease. So we just didn't... I mean, it's, it's sort of not knowing. Yeah, just that weird limbo of who knows what I'm yeah, going back to. and I don't know what the news is. And and was um, so you've got three siblings, yeah. so they're old. They're older. Oh yeah, yeah, they're so all was, older. So was everybody kind of coming back? I've got one brother who lives in Cambridge, so he drove down, and uh, my other two siblings live in New Zealand. Wow! So they had to um, fly over as soon as they could. Oh my god. Um, which you know, eight days is enough time to get yeah, over. So yeah. we all, thank God, you know, we were all managed to get home in time. Yeah, and we were all with her. So did she? Was she in a hospital? She went. To, yeah, she never actually came home in the end. She oh, went straight wow. from the hospital in Winchester to the hospice in Andover. Oh my God! So you were all there when she, when she died. Actually yeah. died. Yeah, and then, I mean. That's so quick because so prior to that you were kind of had you had anything was this your first like oh life has this other horrible side I think so I mean my my I'd like you say it's 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 less unexpected for older people so yeah. my of my three four grandparents obviously my mum's mum outlived my mum my dad's dad died I was two months old or something right, yeah. died in the year I was born and then my Granddad, who um, was sort of housebound, he had arthritis, so he couldn't really walk. He's a bit, you know, he. I think he always looked older than he was because yeah. he used like walking frames and things. Um, he died in the, yeah, I would have been around nineteen or twenty, right? Um, but it didn't feel like a massive shock. Yeah. And then my um, dad's mum went into a care home, and she died when I was about. I think about 25. Right, yeah. Uh, no, it must have been earlier than that, 23, 24. It was a few years before mum and dad. And so, again, you know, the fact that the years haven't stuck is <laughs> probably yeah. quite a damning uh, reflection of my personality. But it didn't feel shocking in any yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think grandparents don't, especially yeah. if you get into your 20s. Yeah. You know, I think it is like, oh, well, they're old. You know, like in your head, they're just very old people. <laughs> I mean, my parents were nearly... 40 by the time I was born. Right, okay. Um, because, you know, my oldest yeah, brother yeah. is 12 years older than me. Wow. So it, I, I always felt that my parents were older than my friends. Yeah, yeah. Who might be the youngest of two. Yeah, um, yeah. And therefore our grandparents were an order above that. Mm. So, yeah, it, they always felt old to me. So you're all there together when she, mm. and she just dies in the hospital. Yeah, in hospice. Yeah. In hospice, sorry. And then, you know, what was your life after that point? Did you kind of, because I think it's, I mean, this is a bit of generalisation, but when a mother dies, it is quite hard because often they are running a house, especially that generation. Did you, like, did you move back in with your parents? Were you already living there? Like, what happened to your world after that? Well, yeah, I, we were living in Harrow at the time. My um, now wife, then girlfriend, I suppose, um, although we owned a house together by this point. Um, you were going steady. Yeah. <laughs> it was serious. It was, yeah, we were kind of thinking about it. Yeah, um, yeah so we, my parents um, had a house, uh, 
They moved around quite a lot. We ended up in Andover, and it's quite a big house um, because there were four children, yeah. um, the parents and um, uh, mum and dad had it extended and finished that project uh, the year I went to university. <laughs> <laughs> so the biggest house they'd ever had just at the moment when they had no children. No one in um, So obviously what that meant when mum got ill is that um, my brother and sister could come over from New Zealand and there was space for them and there was yeah, space, yeah. For, you know, we, we could all fit mm. in, in the house, even if someone had to sleep on the sofa. And I remember actually the organisation of the house was quite tough because my dad had by this point, I think, had two heart attacks. What? Um, oh throughout his life. I mean, once he had, he got out of breath walking up a mountain in New Zealand and didn't feel up to finishing it. So we all just carried on. Yeah. It, you know, one of those, it's really a hill. But yeah, yeah, a yeah. Mountain. Um, and when he got back to England, he went for a checkup with the doctor and they went, you know you had a heart attack, right? Oh my <laughs> no. So it's very mild, but yeah, yeah. Um, it was so factored in that dad was going to die first. Yeah, it, That yeah. was the week that we realised dad didn't have a bank account. They had a joint account wow. and mum had her own. Yeah. And it was all set up because the assumption was that dad was going to die first. Wow. Um, and the fact that this had been a conversation in our family um, sort of tells you uh, the general attitude towards just death, just talk about it. Um, I think it's hard because I've had that with guests before. There's often a parent that everyone thinks, oh, it'll be them. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, they're iller or they're older or just something about them. And, yeah, it's very tricky when it's not them and everyone's left yeah. going, well, you know, what? Yeah, yeah, well, I remember my mum once said to my dad, Alan, you should eat less cheese. It's bad for you. And dad said, but I like cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that was dad's attitude towards cholesterol. Yeah, actually, yeah, actually yeah. his cholesterol was very low. Uh, that, that wasn't the issue. The cheese um, was not the problem. Just, yeah. But, but, I mean, it's something I only realised after dad died of the level of admin. I felt very guilty mm. dealing with the admin after dad died because I didn't realise what a big deal it was yeah. when mum died. And we offered, we said, do you want us to stay? Do you want to come and stay with us? We had a spare room. We yeah. didn't have a, a children at that point. Um, and he was like, no, um, we, you know, we're going to, I'm going to stick around. It's going to be hard, but I need to get through that because if I run away, it'll just get harder to come back. Oh. And he and mum had a deal, which again, very one-sided because dad was supposed to die first. Yeah. But it was no one could, they, they weren't allowed to sell the house for a year. Wow. So you weren't allowed to just make a rash decision. Yeah. Oh, was very, a, so they'd had that yeah, chat? they'd had that chat. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah, because there is that instinct. I, I don't I, even have a will. <laughs> I know. And I'm always, I'm always on the show. We've like, got children now. We I should know. have wills. I'm like, guys, saw your stuff out. I'm like, I really need to sort my stuff out because yeah. <laughs> I'm always going on about it. But I think that's a really nice chat that they had because... Yeah, it would be a, it would be a bit of a rash decision, and I think that's mm. two people knowing each other very well and being like, "Don't take your time, breathe, have yeah. a year." So, were you close to your dad? Did you feel like you could talk to him, or was yeah? yeah. I mean, my dad was the. I mean, it was more my dad that got me into radio comedy because oh, wow. he used to play his tapes with the Goon Show and Round the Horn <laughs> in the car, and then when. Um, he sort of brought home this cassette that he'd picked up in a service station. I think you'll really like this. And it was on the hour. Wow. Which as soon as it came out on tape, he'd heard go out. But also, um, I had, uh, the, I've got two copies of the Hitchhiker script books. Because wow. he had one. Then I saw it and I was like, well, I need one yeah, um, when, yeah. I, when I moved out. Um, and so mum and dad were very supportive. I mean, they're supportive of all four of us all doing very different jobs. But um, they used to, I used to invite them up to my radio recordings if it's in front of an audience because, you know, they'd hand over it straight into Waterloo. And uh, I remember I did a sitcom uh, 12 years ago uh, that um, co-written by Nick Revel and Giles Mrandereth together at last. Uh, (laughs) It was very good. Um, And uh, we had a guest star in the final episode who was Joanna Lumley. Wow. And I heard, once heard my mum telling a friend, there was some barbecue at my parents house and she's telling one of her friends and and at the end of the recording edward said to joanna lumley sorry joe could you just have do that line again and you know what she did (laughs) just like that i was like yeah i was paying her i was paying a professional actor (laughs) (laughs) um so they yeah so they were i think i probably saw them more i mean that's a factor of being closer yeah yeah um but we definitely offered and definitely spoke. And I think the week, I mean, there's loads of things like realising that to get to the hospice, only dad was on his insurance. Um, oh, yeah. And so we all had to get put on dad's insurance because uh, I didn't own a car at this point. Yeah. Um, so dad wasn't 
chauffeuring everyone, yeah, trying yeah, to take yeah. some of the burden off him. And Norwich Union would not add me to my dad's insurance because I worked in entertainment. Oh, yeah, that's quite common, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, they think and yet, you're a comedian. after dad died, I got, um, in the post came a letter from Norwich Union saying, we have automatically renewed your insurance. <laughs> so I am more of a risk than a dead man. <laughs> uh, which is, yeah. well, I suppose technically... He's not going to start a car, so he's not going to crash. Yeah, is he? yeah, That's exactly. Fine. It's very safe. Um, I mean, that was that was sort of another conversation. My dad worked for um, uh, IBM for many years, and he was quite senior. He was a like senior systems analyst for IBM Europe, IBM Printing Europe. So he was the, the he sat in an office in Basingstoke, and people in Germany who couldn't get these not you know work printers, but yeah large scale printing systems would phone him, and he'd sort of fix it on the phone. And that was his sort of job. Apparently we found out his funeral, his nickname was The Guru, because that, <laughs> that's how much he knew. Um, and one of the things Mama said that if he, when he started having heart problems, they said, oh, if he ever has a heart attack, the first thing I've got to do is put him in his suit, put him in the car, and then tell IBM he died at work. <laughs> <laughs> because apparently that triggered some sort of payout on their system. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. you know, again, it's a joke, but it was that assumed that it would be a heart attack that killed him yeah, which yeah. it was but the hard thing yeah so it was sort of the everyday I think that week was really hard yeah I can't imagine because that. That been just... we went backwards and forwards on oh she's going to come home and you know there was a there's a room downstairs that opened out onto the garden so we could they yeah. could put a bed in there and just um, let her enjoy the garden which really meant a lot to both my parents I remember a conversation with my the younger of my brothers the one who lives in Cambridge that it's splitting that difference between I don't want my mum to die, mm. but I don't want her to be in pain. Yeah, yeah. And selfishly, I wanted to carry on for, you know, said she could have six months. Mm. But when you're looking at how frail she got and, you know, the, the, the have a little sponge that they dip in water oh, to, to lips, moisten the lips, yeah, yeah. that's really hard to watch. We were there every day. For the rest of the week, we saw her for you know as much as we were allowed. But it's really hard to reconcile those feelings. Yeah, yeah. That you know, logically, I know my grand, three of my grandparents are dead. I know everyone dies. Yeah, I, I, oh, yeah. I watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> All men must die. But it's my mum. Yeah, and it, it comes and if someone down to says like another, selfish. Another five minutes, you'd think, well, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you're watching. So she must have deteriorated very quickly in that eight days. Yeah, yeah it was. I mean, because I'd made 28 Edinburgh Acts, which mm. is, I don't know, were you ever on that? I can't remember no, before no, I met no. you. No, no, no. 2006 was my first Edinburgh and I was not, <laughs> not there. Trust me, I was doing something very different. <laughs> um, but we, yeah, so we recorded it at the Fringe. Um, actually, I was about to go into the edit when I got the phone call. And so Rohan Achaya, who's a co-producer, he, he did it all. And, you know, obviously, I hadn't thought about it. Mm. I had told Rohan, my mum's ill, I'm going home. Yeah. Can you deal with this? Um, and he edited it and it was all fine. Except I'd forgotten. I, I, so I was visiting mum in the hospice and they said, we just need half an hour to um, refresh the room. Or, yeah, you know. yeah. So I went and sat in the um, sort of living room. No one else was there, but the ra- Radio 4 was on. And I heard my show come out. Wow. And the last thing was a song uh, by Barry Cryer and Ronnie Golden. Something about sitting here in my hospital bed, I want to be switched off. Oh, my God, <laughs> and, and I'd forgotten. I was just sitting there with me and my, it was me and my brother. And we're going, oh, this is the show I recorded last week. I wonder how it came out. Just... Oh, forgot about that. <laughs> forgot about the time I thought that joke was funny yeah. right now. It's still a good song. It's, you know, it's not, it's, not, it's not Ronnie or Barry's fault. No, um, no. But yeah, so... Good, great timing. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Um, yeah, that... And it, it's the going backwards and forwards. It could be months, it could be weeks, and then everyone get to the hospice. Everyone, you know, I think someone had gone on Sunday morning, they were like, they just came straight back and went, everyone, come now. Wow. Um and the week after, in all the admin, I mean, Dad did it all, which is insane because you can't. I, I, I suppose it's focusing on admin is a way of coping. Yeah, oh, definitely. I think it helps a lot of people to be like, right, let's just sort out paperwork because now I, I don't yeah. have to think, ow. <laughs> no feelings, yeah. no feelings, just numbers. Yeah, and especially, I mean, especially when something's that quick as well, it must be, everyone just must be in shock because two weeks before that, 
She was there, those, you know, her children were in New Zealand, you know, everything's just ticking along, we'll see you whenever, you know, that kind of thing, to suddenly have a family pull back together. And for you to be back at your family home with your siblings, who I'm guessing you hadn't seen, like, that recently. Yeah, we don't see each other that often. Yeah, it must be. Although I do actually recommend that. Don't spend too much time (laughs) with the siblings, because then when you finally catch up... You've got like five years worth of anecdotes. It's nice. It's, and yeah, so yeah, you yeah. don't get, you know, if you live in each other's pockets, you get fed up of each other. <laughs> my parents were big on independence. Yeah. My mum saw it as a her job as a mother to release grown-ups into the world. Wow. Um, and she, she had this phrase, she wasn't going to, she wasn't going to raise useless males. <laughs> so by the time I was 12, um, I had to cook one meal a week for the family, wow. as did my other siblings. Um, we had to do our own ironing on a Sunday, so iron our own shirts, which as you can see is not <laughs> taken. Um, don't um, When we first brought an iron out to uh, iron my son's uniform, the first time he got a uniform that had to be yeah. ironed, my, uh, my son, who, what age would he be in? He'd, literally six years old and he said what's that <laughs> never seen it before Five. it's a um, very old-fashioned most people don't bother these yeah, days yeah no, it's, fine. Yeah. it's one of the reasons to work in radio yeah um and wow, what an amazing woman. Uh, we did our own hoovering our own dusting you know so we had to take responsibility so i remember going to university i was the only one in my flat at manchester who could cook wow because my mum had taught us all to cook yeah. and then before we went off to university sort of taking me down to um, do you know what? I think it might have been John Lewis. That makes it sound much more well off than it was. <laughs> but you know, two sets of cutlery, so you could cook for someone, oh, and wow. plates and pans, and yeah, you, you you have to look after yourself now. God, that's amazing. And I remember the the first uh, my first end of my first term at university. I phoned my mum to let her know which train I was coming back on from Manchester, and I'll, you have to go to London and change, come down to Waterloo. And I said, so I'll be back on you know Thursday or Friday or whatever it is. And she went, oh, well, I think your father and I will be in. But if not, there's a key under the, uh, you know, in the, I had one of those fake stones. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, and I just, as a joke, I went, oh, mum, your baby's coming home. Yeah. And I don't you want to see me? And she went, you know what, Edward, I've been a mother for 30 years now. I think I'm done with it. (laughs) Four kids, wow. That's a lot of... My mother's 12 years older, so yeah, 30 years of being a mum and I finally left the house and that's it. That's that's your job done if you can cook and clean and look after yourself. Yeah, you're fine, mate. See you later. So yeah, so your dad just kind of like gets on with it, Mm. which I completely understand. And then I'm guessing, so after that, are you, you know, was your dad particularly, like you said, everyone thought he was going to die. Was he particularly ill? I mean, it's because he so he dies two years later. Two years and one month, yeah. So I'm like, yeah. How did that happen? Like, was he uh, sick or? Well, I mean, he he had heart problems. Yeah. He was six foot four and um, very. I mean, don't know what he weighed. He was overweight. Mm. Um, heart problems are common in tall people because the blood, yeah, the heart, blood, yeah. uh, heart has to work harder. Um, but what happened? I mean. In contrast with the eight days, not knowing how long it would be, on the Thursday, he came to the news quiz, which I was producing, brought ice cream. He obviously had an ice cream maker. That's one of the things he got into. <laughs> um, uh, and he'd come on the Thursday, and I'd seen him. It had been a good show, said goodbye to him. On the Friday, my brother had rung him at about 25 past six because he was going to come back to Andover for a birthday party of a friend of ours who still lived there and wanted to know if uh, Dad uh, would be my brother's daughter's first babysitter. And um, my brother said that he remembered, he said, yeah, um, yes, of course, of course, yes, and whenever you need, come down whenever you need, I'll make the beds up. Um, now, um, I'm just going to listen to the news quiz that I saw recorded last night and then I'm going out for a for a meeting. And so that was the last time my brother spoke to him. Uh, and he listened, presumably, he got to the meeting, which was the Andover Historical and Archaeological Society, because Dad had been involved in um, uh, various Andover Conservation Group, Test Valley in Bloom. You know, my parents did get very involved. My mum worked at the, uh, my mum had been a teacher. Both my parents got very involved in community, com- community yeah. um, in a way that sort of wealth rotaries can. Um, and so Dad had went to this first meeting of the Andover Historical and Archaeological Society, which uh, he said, and he said, I've, I've lived here for 30 years, I should probably find out about it. Um, and that's where he had his last heart attack and collapsed. Um, and we know that the 
I think the Deputy Chief of the Hampshire Fire Brigade and the Deputy Chief of the Hampshire Police were there. Oh, and wow. I sort of, one of the things, you know, like with Dad, with maybe if I got Mum to you a month earlier. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's that, well, he. I think he. they pronounced him dead at the hospital. Wow. But I reckon both those two people were up to date on their first aid. Yeah, I was going to say, so like he, he was definitely surrounded by done. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, we got a very sweet letter from the president of the Andover Historical and Archaeological Society because obviously it's dad's first meeting, they didn't know him. Oh. But he wrote us a really sweet letter that came to the house and it said, um, to the family, and it's like, we, you know, we only met your dad once. He seemed a lovely man. He was really interested in the Andover. Uh, we wish we could have known him more. And uh, we think you'd like to know that as a mark of respect... We cancelled the rest of the meeting. <laughs> Which is honestly one of the funniest things oh I've ever God. read. I just, I oh, want to, I mean, I, I have so no funny. I have no vested interest. I, it's not something I would have thought about. And if they hadn't written it, I thought it was sweet of them to write. But now they've written, I don't know what else they could have done. Well, as I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. Yeah, I don't... I sort of yeah, it's not like you didn't need to say it. Like I kind of, I kind of assumed the meeting would be over after someone had a heart attack. But to be like, just so you know, we cancelled it. Like, yeah, good, mate. What the yeah. fuck else were you gonna do? Carry on. Was there some important like minutes that needed to be recorded? Any other business? Any other yeah. business? Oh my god, that's so that's so English, isn't it? Like, yeah. I'm, we must tell them in case they think we carried on. Yeah. I'd hate to think of the family thinking. So like, no, dude, we 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 were we thought you wouldn't. Oh bless! I th- I'm in a way. I'm glad because I thought you were going to say he died at home, which I, like you know. No. But well, yeah, I mean he... that's that that is a worry that if he had if he hadn't gone to that meeting, yeah, yeah, I wasn't due to see him. He was going to come to the news quiz the next week. He came most weeks oh, yeah. uh, just at the radio theatre. So sort of, I always used to joke. It's my way of making sure he's still washing and you yeah, know, still, yeah. you eating, Dad. Um, and so because none of us were there, so um, my brother and sister came over from New Zealand again for for that funeral, but it's sort of. It's less urgent. We can sort out the yeah, funeral. And, yeah. You know, uh, it's expensive. They had to take time off work, and so you can't, so like you said, he had heart problems, but that must have been a real shock after just losing your mum two years before. Like, yeah, and a couple of someone said to my brother, "Oh, he never really got over Christine's death, did he?" And I think this is this is part of going through multiple bereavements. Mm. You realise everyone's grief is their own. Yeah. And uh, I've I've made several people uncomfortable by do, telling funny stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what I always say is, well, my dad gave me my sense of humour, so if he didn't want me laughing about his heart attack, <laughs> he should have brought me up differently. He should have thought about that when yeah. I was five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't play the goon show to people who don't want to laugh at stupid things. Um, and what we decided to do was not argue with that, mm. but actually... Like, Dad had retired about three months before Mum died, mm. and he didn't really have any plans. His plan was to hang out with Mum. Yeah. They'd been married since 1967. Wow. So they're coming up on 40 years. Um, oh, and Dad had always had this sort of, um, you know, sort of, you know, the, the fact that when they got their first mortgage, Mum wasn't allowed to be on it because she was a woman. Yeah. <laughs> You just forget, the, don't you? So, yeah. like what? so the work balance, obviously, when they had kids, like it was, was mum's work, that, and so dad just went up through the ranks. Um, in fact, there's a funny story about how my dad got into IBM, if you would like to hear it. Sure, yeah. Which was, um, he was at a, I don't know the name of the company anymore, but he was at a company and it was uh, in the West Midlands and it was total dead men's shoes. So you got promoted when the next person retired right, yes. and he felt he was better. And also, um, he and mum were thinking of having kids. I don't know if it was before they got married or just after. Um, and he wanted a, you know, if they had kids, then mum would have to give up work. So he was looking for a better job. And he went for two interviews. One was with BOAC, who are now British Airways. Yeah. Or actually, they're now BA, aren't they? Because they yeah. um, reduced themselves again. And they gave him this brand new thing, which is called a psychometric test, which is brand new in... Um, British hiring practices. Wow. Yeah. And he ticked all the boxes and, you know, it, what sort of animal would you be? And yeah, all yeah. that. Um, and then uh, when they said, what salary would you want, would you be looking for for this role? Mum and dad said, well, if you ask for 
our salary combined, yeah, that would allow mum to give up work. Yeah, yeah. So he asked for the the grand sum of six thousand pounds. Yeah, I know. And when they got the results and the, Mark with the psychometric test as well, the interview, they said, "Well, I'm I'm sorry, you're not you're not quite what we're looking for." Mm. And um, but they showed him the results of the test because oh, they wow. were quite new and quite yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, and they went, yeah. "Look, this is what you said, and this is what you, you know, the, what this is what we were looking for." Um, and then he went for his interview at IBM. And they said, right, we've got something a bit new here. Ah. It's a psychometric test. And it was the exact same one. Wow. And now you've known me for a long time. Uh, and you know that my memory is freakishly yes. good. Um, I get that from dad. Wow. So he did the psychometric test, remembering <laughs> the all the answers, answers that yeah. the OAC had told him. And then uh, they were living in Wolverhampton. And then uh, they said, uh, how much do you want? And he said... He felt quite cocky, so he said £8,000, thinking, well, if they negotiate down to six. Yeah, yeah. He said, that, that's fine. Because <gasps> he'd passed it for He passed it, and then um, they gave him a job in, they said, you, you'll have to move to the Portsmouth yeah. office. So there was a bit of commuting, and he used to go and stay down there in a week and go back, and eventually they moved down, down to the south coast. But for the first six months, he didn't have a desk. He didn't have a computer. Wow. They just gave him manuals and said, can you read this and get ready for when yeah. we do have all this? And after a few, I can't remember if he said six months, that feels too long to be true. But after a while, he said, is there actually a job for me here? Yeah. And they said, well, to be honest, not yet. But when someone scores as highly on a psychometric <laughs> test as you do, we've just got to get them in because you could go down the road to BOAC and do this job. <laughs> This guy's a genius. Yeah. That's just, oh, my God. Yeah, I've got to get this ed, guy in. Ended up 40 years ago. He was at IBM. Well, well then he did. Total scam. <laughs> they did well. They did very well. But, yeah, so do you do you sort of believe that, you know, or, or did it annoy you when people say, oh, he didn't get over Christine? Or did you just sort of, I was like, okay, that's the narrative you want to place on <sighs> well, it. Well, I mean, you're never fully going to get over it. Yeah, of course. Um yeah. You're not fully going to get over it, but he was enjoying life. He, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he already had a couple of grandkids, but they're in New Zealand, so he had a grandchild in this country. Um, he was involved in the community. He came to my shows. He, um, uh, you know, so he, he did quite. I mean, he, I remember once we did a show, a, a news quiz in Bristol, because the radio theatre was unavailable, and I think Sandy was at Hay. And I, so I said to Dad, oh, you know, not London. He went, oh, well, I'll, I'll drive down to Bristol. And I, in my head, I just went, oh, Andover, that's about halfway. Looked like, it's not halfway. Yeah, it's not, yeah, really, it's like, it's not. not halfway. <laughs> yeah, but it was just like, oh, I'll drive up to Bristol, have a day of it. It's, you know, sort of. So, yeah, he was living, because my granny and granddad died within two weeks of each other. Right. And my granddad, again, everyone thought it would be my granny. My granddad died. I can't, I can't remember quite. I think he had a stroke. And then they were in the, pro my mum and her two brothers were like, right, we've got to get a care home. We've got to sell the house. And she just died. Mm. And my mum maintained, she was like, she just didn't want to, she just didn't want to be here. Because yeah. the doctors were like, complete organ failure was the sort of diet, like just everything gave up. Mm. And my mum was like, it was a very, she felt like my granny was like, no. But like, I can see what you're saying. Your dad, like it had been two years. He was living. He mm. wasn't, yeah. I guess it's just something people just need to say, don't they? Because what they want to say is, Jesus, both of them in two years, that's really shocking. Yeah. And they don't know how to say that. So but Yeah, but I, th I think everyone just deals with... We, we tell ourselves stories that yeah. make it better. I mean, you're with both my mum's story and my dad's story, there's nothing we could have done. Yeah. Because no. if there is something I could have done and I didn't do it, that's yeah. horrific. But I genuinely don't... You know, don't no, it really sounds like there was nothing, yeah, it. like, it, um, you know, when people don't present very obvious yeah. symptoms, you know, and because I think about this cause, because I, I'm such an anxious person, there's so many times in your life when you're not particularly eating or you're not, or mm. you feel like that, and then it's nothing, so it is, that's why I think when people, you, you, like, of course, you can't always, if you went to every symptom, GPs yeah. would be really annoyed, <laughs> yeah, as we, they are. We, um, <clears throat> uh... My my son, when he was uh, very young, had uh, like gastric reflux. I really am pleasant. They they yeah. give you this um, baby Gaviscon to mix in with yeah. milk, and they say come back in three months if it's not worked, and it hadn't stopped. So we made an appointment with a paediatrician, and then it stopped. Um, but we thought, well, we'll go ahead with the sure. thing anyway. Yeah. And I remember saying it was the best thing that could have happened happened to us as new parents because I said to the paediatrician, you know, sometimes he doesn't, you know, some days he doesn't eat much, and other days he eats loads. And the paediatrician went. 
so do you. <laughs> like, it's not a yeah. machine. It's just some days it won't be hungry. Yeah. He won't be hungry. Look at him. He's clearly happy. He's clearly like looking around yeah. and interested in the world. Use your eyes. Don't measure how much food. And I think, yeah, it's um, not expecting everyone to... It's sort of the thing where you go, oh, I've got a bit of a cough. Well, that's probably not cancer because I don't smoke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But with your mum and dad, it sounds like you said they were, there wasn't anything screamingly no. obvious. But I mean, dad was overweight. And, um, but then and, so many people, like, yeah. so many, you know, that's the problem. And he'd had, had, I mean, we, we did know that was how yeah. he was going to go. Yeah. But I think when he's well enough to walk to the train station. Yeah, yeah, of course, of you course. You know, sort of, you think he's not particularly you know he, he didn't die running a marathon yeah yeah anyway. <laughs> so how did you feel with your so you probably i imagine you're still grieving for your mum really at this point or still going through that process and then you have this on top of it did you kind of how did you cope with that what did it affect your work or were you particularly did you sort of pack it all down? I Yeah, I don't... I mean, what I will say in terms of work is that my boss at the time was Paul Schlesinger, who is a brilliant producer who's now running Baby Cow, I yes, think. Yes, I think he is. Um, and uh, I'm very unpleasant to manage, I think. <laughs> um, but he was absolutely brilliant both times um, and just, you know, got a phone call from him as soon as I said, you know, this has happened. Or um, it, was a fr- it was a Friday night, so I delivered the news when my dad died. Um, and I'd got home and I texted Paul, I think, on Saturday morning just to go, my dad's died. And he called me back both times, sort of not immediately. Yeah. But like at the first appropriate yeah. moment, you know, don't call someone at eight o'clock in the morning, wait till <laughs> yeah. nine. Um, and just went, look, what shows are you making? Give me a list. Who's your PC? We'll pick up everything else. That's all he needed. It's so important. And he said, isn't don't it? come back until you. Yeah already and i think probably with both of them i threw myself a bit into work yeah i mean especially 2008 when dad died um i'd got married uh two and a half months earlier so he was there for that yeah Yeah. so i saw that um and i made that year i made more shows than i'd ever made i made about 40 shows in a year and most of them sort of news quizzes and so it just felt very head-on, very uh, very full-on. I think I went back in two weeks and carried on with the news quiz. Wow. And did you find something comfort? I mean, I find this. There's something comforting in comedy because it's it's a bit safe. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's jokes and it, it's going to sort of... You're not going to get too emotional, mostly. Yeah. So it's sort of like it's quite a nice place to retreat to because it's not like... Like, I found... If I was watching a drama or, or mm. something, like, I remember what, sitting down to watch, like, what I thought was just a normal American film. It's about six months after my dad died. And then it was, like, on Channel 5 or something. And then, then it was like, ah, shit, it's about cancer. I didn't know. <laughs> like, suddenly the woman's dying. And I was like, you fuckers, I thought this was just going to be, like, a love story, you know. Whereas I think comedy is such a, like, you feel like, oh, nothing's going to jump up at me. And that's definitely how I feel anyway. I, I, do. I sort of, like, the thing about, there's a thing about comedy and I don't know if it's the difference between being a producer or someone yeah. who's actually funny, is I think comedy demands you rid yourself of your ego yes. if you want it to work properly. Yeah. Because, you know, pompous people or self-regarding people, not that we're all without ego, but people who are sort of blind to their failings are comedy characters. Yeah, yeah. That's how it works. So it sort of feels like you have to be able to laugh at everything yeah. in order to laugh at anything because you know there's that um so onion uh, there's always an onion article but the one that's not my that's not funny my brother died that way <laughs> and it's about that scene and i can't remember which terrible film it is but someone comes off a motorbike flies through the air and their head goes up a horse's ass <laughs> and they went yeah sorry i couldn't help overhearing but that's really not funny my brother died like that and yeah. actually three people a year died that way and it's sort of a very specific and i remember um that's really good that's really funny yeah, <laughs> well, yeah and so i sort of feel like you it's you, you sort of pick at your open wound. Your life is yeah, the source for comedy, and my dad had died, and so that was where the jokes were coming from. I remember yeah. um, it was January. James Sherwood, the comedian James Sherwood, said, uh, "Oh, my dad got me a really good Christmas present." And I went, "Oh yeah, rub it in." <laughs> <laughs> and he genuinely like I've known I've known James for years, and he just like, oh, 
Right. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. only just knew I was joking. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you are. Um, you're totally. When so dad did all the admin for mum's funeral, and there's no one else to do it. And I was yeah. the person I know. So um, the younger of my brothers and I went to the funeral home with my mum's brother. Uh, uh, our uncle who was still with us and like he'd been through it a bit with mum and um he was just sort of helping us out and it was so we went for this meeting at this funeral home and um i don't know how much involved you were in your dad's but they sit you down in a you know, very sober somber looking room and nice wooden table and they um ask you questions about what you would like in the funeral yeah. and there's a calculator yeah and yeah. every answer you give <laughs> Has a number, and like, did. But then the questions are like, did he have a favourite type of wood? <laughs> Who the fuck has a favourite type of wood? I, mean, I, I like, I do like I mean, oak, but I don't know if context, I. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be like demanding doors, it. Kitchen surfaces, yeah. yeah actually, well, when it comes to worktops, I do have an opinion. But, but for my coffin, for something that's going to be, I mean, yeah. both my parents were cremated, so it's yeah. sort of well, which is most flammable. I mean, I guess balsa. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey. I mean that that wouldn't work for a man of his size. <laughs> You know, you need something sturdy. You'd have to bol- bolster it with I, something. I do remember that she, um, so she, she's tapping in. I mean, she'd started the meeting. The, is it a meeting? Is that the right word? She'd started the process with, um, well, it's not cheap dying these days, is it? Which, oh, no. as an icebreaker, is amazing. That's, um, I feel like it's not. I feel like <laughs> you can say that as yeah. a grieving family. And she can go, ha, ha, it must be a very difficult time. But she can't be like, yeah. hey, I'm here to, I've got some material I want to try out. But she got to the end and having, like, what was his favourite flowers? And we're like, well, um, actually, mum did the flowers in the garden. Dad did the vegetables. Was, could we put some vegetables on? Yeah, he, everyone yeah. knew he used to grow, like, and he took great pride on Sunday lunch, going all the vegetables from the garden, you know, oh. sort of. And they went, well, where would you get them? <laughs> Safeways. <I don't>, what? <laughs> And then she got to the end and having typed in, I tapped the table for the only time in this interview. Well, do you want the bad news? Oh my God! Why and, is this woman's problem? Right, and only because I didn't know how my brother was doing. My brother yeah, was two years yeah. older than me, so I just turned 29. My brother would be 31. Jeez. Um, I wanted to say, again, it's that comedy reflex yeah. of she's just giving me a setup line. I get to say, is it losing both my parents before the age of 30? Yeah. No? No, the bad news is it's three and a half thousand pounds. Yeah, mine's mine's worse. Yeah, Mine yeah. News is worse. I, we're kind of we're done with bad news, you <laughs> yeah. know. You know that thing when someone says a really high figure, but someone's already said like you've already undercut it, ladies. So yeah. did and you I, did you just say no, tell us? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, can't remember you, what we'd I think with the, I do remember when I saw the body as well. That was the first oh, time I wow, yeah. really cried. Yeah. Because when I got the news, I got the photo. So the police he was declared dead at the hospital and weirdly my brother was down as an emergency contact from some uh, procedure he'd been through, um, some medical appointment. And then he phoned me and I'd got home a bit tiddly from a leaving do um, and immediately sobered up. But th- it was seeing the body at the funeral home that was the first time I properly bawled. Wow. And I think that's it didn't feel real. He'd just... Yeah, of course. Because if you don't see him every day, then his yeah, absence is normal. hard to notice. Yeah, of course. And then that's the first time you're seeing him. Yeah. He's definitely gone. Yeah. Oh, God. And did it bring back your mum's death or was it just, did you just, how, like, how did you, because I still have my mum, but my mm. husband has lost both his parents. Mm. And I do think there is, obviously, another door you go through once you lose both parents. There's a very, like, it's yeah. it's different. The grief is different. Yeah. I, I remember turning it all into jokes. I put on Facebook, I can now be considered uh, careless rather than unfortunate, <laughs> which is a joke my dad would have absolutely adored. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas my brother uh, is not a comedy professional, so, you know, you can't expect too much of him, but he just put, I am an orphan. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, you're 41. Um, I'm not sure that's how it works. And that's how some members of the family found out. <laughs> so that oh, was God. quite, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, but yeah, it is that, that word. I've had people say it to me before, like, oh, I'm an orphan. And it... It's a funny word because obviously it can't, for me, kind of sort of Victorian children, yeah. you know, cleaning it, shoes. Like, <laughs> but it, how does it feel? You I, know, what I, what did something change in you? The, yeah, I think it's weird because I don't consider myself to be an orphan, even though I, uh, both my parents are dead. And I think it's to do with the fact that Mum was so adamant on self reliance and independence. She yeah. didn't want 
boys who would send their clothes home from university to get washed. So we'd all been encouraged to not need our parents. Mm. And I think that made it easier. But then, you know, um, I was producing the news quiz when Alan Corrin died in 2007. I was editing the show. I remember it was a Friday and we I got word from Paul Schlesinger. He said, oh, Alan, we knew he was ill. Yeah. We'd known he was ill for a long time. That's why I hadn't been on that show, um, that, that series. And I was editing and, you know, he, he'd said when he told us he was ill, we, we, I don't want the show to miss a, miss a beat. I just mm. wanted to carry on. And so we put out the thing we'd recorded the day before and just went ahead and then we did the tribute show, which we've been sort of preparing mm. the clips for the week after. That hit me because it's like there's no escape from yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I do remember, like, <laughs> Luke Roberts was convinced I'd had a breakdown at <laughs> one point. Because I can't remember what happened. We were doing some... Do you remember we used to do those radio entertaining things at the basement of the Albany? Yes, yeah. So um, the BBC Radio Comedy Department used to um, let people who had radio recordings coming up try out material and they'd gather a small audience and we could all sort of check in on... You know, the idea is on stage at the radio theatre shouldn't be the first time you tell a joke. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so you'd all try it out. And I remember just... This would be late 2008 or maybe 2009 and... I think I've been told something wasn't getting commissioned or recommissioned and I was getting quite a... I was just like... Um, Luke was going, how, how, how's the show looking? And I was like, don't give a fuck. <laughs> just, <laughs> just don't give a fuck anymore. And he was like, are you all right? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I just don't give a fuck whether this is any good or not. And he was like, yeah, what's happened to you? What's happening? <laughs> and looking back at the timing, I think it's when you look back yeah. and see that, um, you know... Uh, I got ho I got back to the office from a recording, checked the hard drive. Oh, this is the news quiz. So uh, I checked the hard drive and it was blank. They hadn't copied the show onto my hard drive. Um, and I was rushing around trying to find the backup CD, which I didn't have because my BA had that and she'd taken it home. And so I couldn't load it all into the system ready to be edited the next day. I was running around and running around. And at one point I went through the glass door at the top of, um, it was on the fifth floor of Henry Wood House, so fast because I was rushing. I was like manic. And I ran through, swung the door open and I was about 10 feet down the road and I just heard this crack and this tss, and I smashed a glass Whoa. door. It was completely glass with a the metal handle riveted and it. just that. And in at the time i was like well of course i'm panicking i haven't yeah. got tomorrow's show this goes out at 6 30 tomorrow if i haven't handed it in by six a million people yeah. won't hear the news quiz and they're expecting to um and then looking back you go yeah you were probably there's probably a lot of other things going <laughs> on there yeah it's it is always that when you look back isn't it? like uh maybe i wouldn't have been so upset yeah i wouldn't have pushed the door that hard had mm. i not been yeah, because I think that independence thing is amazing, but then I wonder if that, that does make it hard to then express the sadness of losing them and, you know, like, of actually the fe of feeling that pain in that way, of being like, no, I've got... It's, it's a little bit of, and, you know, I don't mean this, a little bit of, like, you know, get, get on with it and that slight Britishness of, like, okay, you know, dust yourself down and carry on. And did you feel like you were kind of... So then it was leaking out in other ways because it does. It has to come out, as we know. Like, it just does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in a way, I suppose, it would have been letting her down. Yeah. To oh. have let it disrupt. I mean, the, you know, yeah. the, the rule mum and dad have, you can't sell the house for a year yeah. because, you know, you don't want to make any rash decisions based on emotion. Oh, so then you had to, like, <laughs> then not sell the house for a year, right? Is that how you guys uh, well, felt? Well, what we ended up trying to do was... Uh, my now wife and I tried living there right? because we thought if we can keep it in the family it had been the family home yeah, since the yeah. mid 80s it would have been really nice the finances if we'd sold our house in Harrow we could have just about afforded three mm. quarters of it which we then you know my siblings would probably have accepted below market yeah, rates yeah. but um, we could but the commute was just too long oh yeah and so we ended up um just having to sell it mm. um and that's you know occasionally i yeah if we're in that area sometimes we take the kids through andover and sort of 
show this where I grew up and they've seen yeah. the house which has been changed and it's all wrong now I don't know whether it was perfect <laughs> it's perfect I remember I got the um the estate agent because I mean, my parents like they they had it done up towards the end of their lives after I'd gone to university for the last 10 years and had it redecorated and it was one of those things that mum was always going to redecorate it and there was a stepladder in the upset hall for about four years and then eventually dad ordered a decorator <laughs> <laughs> i was going to do that alan no you yeah, <laughs> were saying that for a while um uh and he came round and he said oh you know it's, 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 i think we can sell this it should, should be very uh, achievable um you know it's a great location it's convenient for local schools the school i went to as a child um it's a good school and it's walkable from the town uh, town center and it's convenient um obviously the uh decor is a bit dated and I don't think I've ever been so insulted. <laughs> what the fuck? Who the f- this is classic. This is, you know, new, yeah. you know, what is wrong with you? This is great. Why are you insulting my parents? I was more insulted by that than by the woman at the funeral home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How dare you insult my parents' choice of paint or wallpaper? But it's funny, though, isn't it? The things that get you. Like, it's, there's no rationality about it, you know? Like, those little... that I think... Mm. The things that sting are not often what you'd expect. And that's why it's hard to help people who are grieving as well. Because I think sometimes when you're on the other side of it, you're like, oh, I didn't ex- I didn't think they'd react to that. You know, you, you'd think the funeral lady saying something would be, oh, how upsetting. But yeah. it's not. It's the days where, well, I think, the days where you feel all right and someone says something. You're like, what the fuck? Yeah, excuse me? Like, it just stings. That's how I feel. Um, Rory Morrison's wife nikki jenkins uh, roy morrison was a newsreader on the news quiz who died from a really unpleasant aggressive form of lymphoma um and they do stuff every year bake for rory and the news readers all do a you know they have a cake bake and sell and give all the profits um to the charity set up in rory's name and he was he was a newsreader on one of my first news quizzes so uh, but he did it regularly he was um brilliant uh but he yeah so he died and nikki refers to the grief ninja it's just, you think you're fine, and yeah. then out of nowhere, boom, that ninja comes gets, out of nowhere. Yeah. And Gre- just Grief sniper. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's really nice, because it is, yeah, it just does get you out of nowhere, doesn't it? Yeah. And like, things well, I that saw you... Infinity War uh, the other day, and um, we should probably shouldn't spoil it. Okay, but... spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, skip 30 yeah. seconds, but if you have, enjoy. Um, my dad said at my mum's funeral, and he hadn't told anyone he was going to say this, Mum's last word was sorry mm. because she was dying yeah. and she was sorry that they didn't spend enough time together and to put him through that. And Tom Holland's last word as Spider-Man <laughs> is sorry. He's apologising to Iron Man. And even on an alien planet with <laughs> shitloads of CGI, <laughs> the fact that it's the same last word, oh, I was sitting in the cinema, I went, oh, I'd forgotten that. Mm. I had forgotten what my dad said. And I think I felt bad for forgetting it because my memory's really good. But it was just the thing that brought up the memory. Yeah. Yeah. Because you you can apply your memory to anything. You can remember if I'm suddenly going, right, where did we do that sketch? Or who told that joke? I can sort of memory palace it out and go, well, I saw it at the store, so it must have been one of these gigs or I saw it here. And then to have it just sort of flicked up yeah. by Dominic Holland's son of all people and <laughs> sort of you go oh yeah shit and that's the prop. that's yeah. the thing like why like they said this grief ninja because you, you 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 know if it's not about something sad you know someone can give you a cup of tea and you're like oh that's funny it reminds me of a you know, holiday I went like your your brain makes funny connections so yeah you're watching something and suddenly you're like back at a funeral and it's mm. it's horrible it's horrible not to I definitely felt I really hated the lack of control. I've got better at it. Now I just accept. Like, how did you feel when you watched it? Do you just kind of have a cry and go, okay, that's... I'm sort of about as moist-eyed as I am now. It was just sort of a bit of a shock. Um, But did you speak at your dad's funeral? Um, No, I don't think I... I don't remember. (laughs) Again, I'm just... His funeral is such a blur. I can remember, like, snapshots. No, I didn't speak at his funeral. But to be fair, I don't think anyone really asked because it was like... You know, we were 15 and 19, so it was sort of like, well, obviously, you, you're not going to do it. I was yeah. at my um, uncle's funeral last year as my dad's little brother. And uh, <laughs> the wake afterwards, or the, you know, tea and cake bit, um, the celebrant 
came up to me and went, well, uh, I hope I did a good job. I've, someone's just told me what you do for a living. Oh, God. Why do people think that's what? appropriate? What? <laughs> what? In what? You, like, am you I know, sitting in the back going, sorry, mate, can you gag? To be fair, um, <laughs> so my parents and my grandmother, they it's quite unusual apparently because we had civil ceremonies for all three of them. My right. parents weren't religious. So the, the, the way it works, the way it works for us is that they come and sit with you mm. about five days before the funeral and you just talk and they make notes and then they write that up into a eulogy and you get to amend it. I remember being slightly annoyed because um, he obviously didn't know mum. Yeah. He obviously didn't know mum and, you know, he didn't pretend to. But what he turned specifics into generalities. Mm. And so this often led to many humorous moments. Now, <laughs> I work in comedy. Humorous means not funny. Yeah, yeah, Like yeah. humorous means, it's a humorous or witty. That means didn't laugh. Yeah, like that's yeah. just in my head. And, you know, we'd only told him one story, but he said, oh, it often did. Like he, he was doing his job, but I didn't feel like I could say anything. And then he did granny he like he just happened to be the same bloke assigned oh, wow. and so by the time we got to dad dad was two weeks after grant yeah oh my god um yes. and he was like this is i don't normally know families this well yeah. but it was only on dad's eulogy that he emailed it through and we all looked at him and went yeah that's what we said that's what we said and i went does anyone mind if i have a pass <laughs> because uh, my exact I, words, I've, I've watched him twice i've saw this guy i know i know how this guy works yeah yeah this does not even end on a callback <laughs> But it was like it was stuff like in in with, like, with no, a of script course, that's your head job. on. That's your job. He'd said uh, he had a love of maps. He did. My dad had a complete yeah. set of iOS ordnance survey oh, maps. Wow, yeah. Remember the, the the across the top shelf in our living room, as long as any of us can remember, just pink those pink iOS yeah, maps. He had yeah. every single one. Um, and I was like. He said he had a love of maps. He could say he was a keen cartographer. That's just a yeah. better yeah. phrase. Yeah. So, and specifics, I, guys. The key I, to comedy I, is specifics. I, I rewrote it. But the, sorry, the reason I brought up speaking of the eulogy is because one of the reasons sorry hit me so hard mm. is because Dad lost it. He lost control of his. Uh, you know, she said sorry, and I read uh, from Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh. Um, and I lost it on so long, and thanks for all the fish. Oh. But that was the bit. The uh, it was sort of short enough. Yeah, and I'd run it past my siblings. Can I read this? Because, um, and I think it's it's seeing that lack of control because yeah. funerals are very sedate and solemn and slow, and everything's quite precise. And um, I didn't, uh, I don't remember agreeing being asked but we had the thing where the guy walks in front of your car to the end of the street yeah it's weird isn't I it I, sort of, I, sort I think of, some funeral directors just do that yeah and I it's think. I don't know it's a community thing to make sure everyone knows um, but the yeah so everything seems quite controlled yeah you know you've chosen the music we had um, In Pursuit of Happiness by the Divine Comedy my mum's because uh, she liked the Divine Comedy because you can hear the words. (laughs) And so I bought her a short album about love. And that was also, two years later, my wife and my first dance because my wife had said she uh, wanted to hear it once without crying. I think that's really nice. It's really nice that things, because that's, again, another grief ninja that can Mm. get you, and I've talked about this before, like my dad, we had um, Peaches and Regalia by Frank Zappa, Mm. Uh, which is a pretty rare mm. Frank Zappa track. So when it does come on in a vintage shop in Brighton, it will floor you. <laughs> you're like, what the fuck? It's such a, it starts so distinctly as well. Like it, So I think that's really nice to make music have other memories. Mm. I think that's really nice. But I, I mean, I don't know about you. I I like it when people lose it at funerals. I like seeing that break because if I go to, if I go to a funeral, it's my review, and nobody loses it, I feel a bit like... But we all wanted to. So why it gives I think it gives permission, a really nice permission of especially if a family member just has a moment of crying and then get you know, comes back. It's just reminding everyone that, yeah, we're sad. We're sad. That's okay to be sad. Because I think mm-hmm. some funerals I've been to where no one does, you can see everyone just keeping and I think we could all do with a big cry. <laughs> why don't we all just have a cry? But I'm much more of a let's Guys, let's all have a sob. I, know I, th- not, I think, again, it goes it. to the how much you were expecting it. Yeah, Because yeah. I don't think, you know, 
the tears were when Granny died. But by the time you've got to the funeral, you've yeah, sort of yeah. processed that. It wasn't um, unexpected. Now when I hear In Pursuit of Happiness by the Divine Comedy, what I tend to remember was the wedding DJ uh, was not in position when we went to start our dance. And we had to wait for the DJ, who was Carrie Quinlan, to get back from the toilets. <laughs> You're standing there for over a minute waiting. <laughs> and as we know, a minute in comedy. Oh yeah, it's a, a long, long time. time. Long time, everyone waiting. Everyone waiting. Well, Ed, thank you so much for coming to talk to me about Christine and Alan, your thank you. wonderful parents. Thank you for having me. You can follow Ed on Twitter at Ed Morish, or you can listen to his excellent podcast, Any Stupid Questions with Danielle Ward, from your usual podcast supermarket. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at The Griefcast, or you can email us, thegriefcast at gmail.com. If you do enjoy the show, please do rate and review and subscribe. It really does help other people find the show. And thank you so much if you've already left a lovely comment. I do read them all, and it, yeah, it's, it's genuinely overwhelming to hear that it's, it's helped in any way at all. So if you, if you have left a lovely five-star comment, please have a biscuit today as a thank you from me. I can't buy you a biscuit, I just, I'll send you biscuit thoughts. Music was provided by the Glue Ensemble and the show was edited by Kate Holland with thanks to Whistledown Studios. Remember, you are not alone. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.